Brilliant. Well, hello, everybody who's watching. It's really lovely. And well done for being the hardcore who are there at the last seminar <laughs> slot on the Friday. Um, much respect for your um, tenacity there. I'm really looking forward to the session tonight as well. My name's John, if you don't know me. I'm one of the pastors um, at, at Trent Vineyard. And um, a chunk of my role there relates to preaching. Um, I help coordinate the preaching schedule that we have at Trent and help sort of plan sermon series and things like that from time to time. And I'm also responsible really for, to some extent, looking after the preaching team that we have at Trent and helping to develop new preachers. Um, and also in terms of preaching at Trent, um, I'm kind of like the sort of like the second voice of preaching in terms of like John Wright obviously does the, the he does the most frequent preaches at our church and then and then I do quite a few after that and then we have this whole team of wonderful preachers at Trent where we we work together really collaboratively we really sort of work on each other's talks and support one another in that which is great fun um, and for me um, just a teeny bit of context preaching isn't something that um, historically before I got into it I ever isn't what I got into pastoral work for. I never anticipated that it would be something that I would um, be called to do or have the opportunity to do. Um, but over the years, I think I've gradually come to realise that it's part of what God has called me to. And I've become increasingly passionate about it. And um, and I really want to try and get better. And so hopefully that's what this conversation is about. We're going to share some of the stuff that we feel we've, we've been learning during this last year, um, but um, very much from the perspective of we're still very much learning. And so please hear these things um, as opinions and sort of suggestions rather than this is like we've come to this uh, miraculous understanding of how to nail it, because I don't think we would any of us would, would say that, would we, John or Alice? Is that right? No. Yes. <laughs> so, um, Alice and John, I'm delighted that that, that you've you've joined us. Um, Alice, I think in terms of preaching, you have a similar role to me in Cardiff. Is that right? Do you want to, what? Yeah, yeah, that's it. So I'm in Cardiff. Um, my husband Matt and I are um, the associate pastors um, at Vineyard Cardiff. Um, and part of my role is like you. I'm kind of like the, the second kind of preacher in the church. James Rankin, you know, does. A lot of our preaching we're a multi-site church so it looks a bit different for us you know because our preaching stays the same across our sites but over this time of lockdown we've been back to one person preaching and everyone accessing the same talk you know at the same yeah. time so it's, it looks a bit different but yeah i'm the second voice um to, in terms of preaching and um coordinate our preaching team and help develop what we're going to talk about and you know get the series kind of prepped and yeah. And for you, what's preaching looks like over the last year? Have you been doing online? Have you been doing live, pre-recorded, in-person, a bit of a mixture? What's it been like? Yes, the majority has been pre-recorded. And then we like put out a YouTube service and then on, but we also run Zoom calls on a Sunday morning. So then, but then we um, show the YouTube preach. You know, we've kind of thought, oh, should we try and do the preach over Zoom? But I don't know. I think we've all thought that might fall a bit flat I'd be interested to know if people have tried that but we just show the YouTube um, preach as part of the zoom call um we did we have done like for a, a last term in Wales it's been a bit stricter here in terms of lockdown but when we have done in-person gatherings um we were then preaching as well as doing the YouTube and you know it was like yeah. a lot of preaching suddenly all over the place yeah yeah what about you John yes yeah, so I lead Vineyard 53 Church Chester with Anna and uh, a wonderful team of people. And over this season, well, and from the start, really, we're seven years old, nearly. Um, but do the lion's share of the uh, of the. And um, we were from Trent Vineyard before moving up to Chester, and um, 
And for us, it's mainly been pre-recorded as well. We've done some live, but mainly pre-recorded, partly due to venue limitations, partly, yeah. I think, playing to our strengths. Also, we've got young kids who will jump around when we do live things. And um, so that's been like the, the easiest way for us to do it. But uh, we've enjoyed that, to, the, to you know, on the, on, the, on the whole. But an office about 10, 10 minutes from here is where all of our talks kind of happen and get recorded. Brilliant. Yes. Brilliant. Well, it's brilliant to have you with us, and uh, we're going to be sharing some of the some of the thoughts and contents together. And we've also got Jacob um, Partons on the call. Jacob, are you able to show your face on this, or is that not possible? No, is he going to appear, or do I need to do something? There he is. There he is. Uh, so Jacob, Jacob um, is also um, part of Trent Vineyard, and he works. Um, as part of his role with with me and with Susie Aldridge, who you've been seeing in the hosting this week, um, Jacob um, is a great communicator himself. Actually, he's quite heavily involved in teaching in some of our discipleship courses at Trent, um, and also um, he's got a great theological background. So he supports Susie and me in the preparation of our talks and keeps us on the theological straight and narrow, which is a very valuable job that he does. But Jacob. Um, we really would love people to be able to do question and answers. Um, are you able to explain a little bit about how, how people would do that? Uh, yes, so uh, there's going to be a time for a Q&A later on in the seminar. And so if you just post any questions you have uh, throughout the, uh, the time together in the chat, um, then I'll just be noting down some of the questions and then we'll see, we'll see how many we can get answered at the end of the session. Brilliant, brilliant. Now we were going to try and do this fancy poll thing as well. And um, do you know how to do that, Jacob? Have, have you got the access to do that, or do I need to have a go? Because we weren't we weren't quite sure whether whether who would be able to do it. But uh, do yes, it? I've managed to to send the poll. So in Great. the um, in the chat function um, at yeah. the top, you should it should say chat polls or people. And so if everybody if you go into that bit and you go into polls, then you should see. A poll there saying how regularly have you preached this year and you just click on the answer that's relevant for you and then uh, we should then be able to see the results yeah if you could do that that would be great we just thought it'd be really helpful just to get a sense of who's who's in the the room as it were so yeah if you click on that that would be fancy are the answer are the answers coming in jacob um i can't oh yes they are yes here we go we got 25 votes for main preacher. Oh, it's going up all the time. 28 for a handful of times, 20 for one or less. So it's slightly weighted more towards a handful of times. Um, but yeah, but it's, it's, it's reasonably balanced. But a pretty even spread over those ones. And then there was another question we were going to ask, which is um, during this time, what is the main way that you have preached? Is it live digital? Is it digital pre-recorded? Is it um, in person or is it a bit of a mixed bag of all of all of those? Um, I don't know if that question's come up yet. It is almost up. Um, here we go. I love a mixed bag. <laughs> there we go. Brilliant. That's another, again, in the poll section. There we go. Thanks, Jacob. Just while those results are coming in, I think, so for us, it's been 
quite a bit there's quite a long time where we were doing pre-recorded um for the last few months we've been doing live um we haven't done very much in we have had in small in-person gatherings um at various points in the in the pandemic um but usually the talk's been invariably the talk has been pre-recorded there was one where i um sneaked in and did the sermon just because it had been so long since i've done one live but mainly for us it's been digital live and um pre-recorded so jacob what are the results 41 votes for digital pre-recorded and then the next is 16 for mixed bag 15 for live digital if you like zoom or instagram and then only one in person at the moment wow the one person who's 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 still doing it, that's that's great oh so again a bit of a, a bit of a mixed bag but mostly some sort of like digital um thing prevalently that's fantastic so um do you think we need So, so we just lost brothers oh. for a second there. Hopefully, you should come back. <laughs> if you back, not, brothers? Am I back? <laughs> yes, you are. Great, great. Oh, we love this, don't we? It's been such fun to have these little um, glitches in the internet this year. So, anyway, what have, we're going to move on to talk then about some of the things that we have learned during this time. And the first thing that we wanted to share is that we've realised um it's been hard it's been challenging um the gravity of this situation has left us kind of wondering you know what on earth am i going to say that's relevant and helpful and also in terms of application you know when you're doing a talk we're so used to saying you know guys the meat is on the street um get out there go and do kingdom stuff and whereas now we're having to sort of couch that in this caveat of like oh but don't go out onto the street unless it's absolutely necessary and if you do make sure you're wearing a mask and so it hasn't been so easy to give people practical applications in our talks in the same ways and there's been i don't know about you but there's i feel like there's been a lot of talks where the application has been like you know uh read your bible and pray and things that you can do in the home and so it's been hard it's been frustrating um i presume that most of us have had that kind of experience of doing a talk and then not realizing that you press record um if you've had that experience then just feel free to put that in the comments i know i have um or as you're coming into land having your child wander in um you know perhaps a three-year-old wandering in and announcing they've done a poo or something like that it's great when that happens and I think it's also been at times disheartening because from from what I gather, a lot of um, people have had this experience where when we first went online, there was this real surge in numbers and there were so many people watching and we we're like, wow, our church has grown. And then that number sort of has just dropped off in many cases and there's fewer people watching. And then we can have that also that experience of, of going on YouTube and seeing all the other churches down the road that seem to be having loads of people watching their talks and um, doing a much better job seemingly than we are and so i think those challenge the challenge the frustrating um and sometimes the sort of like disheartening effects we've all experienced it on some level um and so i thought it might be fun as well just to ask alice and um and simo what has been your low point um in the preaching digital experience <laughs> Oh, I don't, do you know what? I was thinking about it like I've had yeah the usual tech issues and I've got yeah. two small boys at home so you're right the kind of like you know the kind of craziness of getting my husband to take them out the house getting Matt to take them house at the house and you know you've got about half an hour in which to record the breach before the noise yeah, yeah. and then they come back in you're like shh <laughs> <laughs> um do you know but I think the most the low point for me actually was when I had a message a Sunday for Sunday morning from our tech team who do a fabulous job, but they hadn't noticed that I'd started the preach. Then I'd obviously fluffed up my lines and started again. 
So then when they showed the content on YouTube was me kind of being like, hi, today we're going to talk. Oh, I cannot tell you. I just, I have found it quite, yeah, I felt really, really embarrassed, even though, of course, it's no big deal, really. And, you know, I don't take myself too seriously, but it, I felt really more mortified. I think that that moment had been captured for everyone to see. <laughs> it's, been, it's been so exposing. John, what about you? That's right. There's no hiding. I think for me, the low was uh, so sometimes been recording quite late into the evenings and um, our office pre-COVID times was like this thriving community hub. And we would do quite a lot of compassion projects and different things from it. And um, so I was there quite late one night, three quarters of the way through. And there's ba loud banging on, on the windows and some neighbours who were feeling really like protective of the space thought that it was being broken into. Um, but I'm there thinking that someone else, they're, they're breaking into to the office with me there. And so I'm kind of hiding away and we're both calling the police. <laughs> and um, and that's kind of how it ended. I recognised a voice in the end, went out, had a little chat. We solved the problem and um, it was fine. And I actually got to pray for one of the neighbours for our, for our office. But um, it wasn't fun at the time. Oh, my goodness. Man, we could collect Maybe that's the next vineyard publication is the collection of these like, <laughs> horror stories during the pandemic. Um, it's pretty funny. But despite all of that, um, the thing that we and the thing that we most vitally, I think, wanted to do in this seminar is encourage um, everyone who's watching, who is preaching at the moment, that no matter how you know difficult it's been, what you're doing is important and it really is making a difference. And um, I was really, really, I was really encouraged by that Jordan Seng um, uh, talk where he, where he just talked about, you know, just the power of trying. And we have been trying and I believe that Jesus loves it. And I really do believe it, is, it makes a difference. And this um, during this time, it's often reminded me of um, a passage which I'm sure you're familiar with um, if you're preaching in 2 Timothy, um, you know, um, which 2 Timothy to me always has this kind of like slightly dramatic final wordsy kind of vibe um because it that sort of con conveys this sense of gravity and urgency towards the end of paul's life these words that he's so desperate to get to timothy and um and i just want to read this read this passage if you've got it get your bible out but it's on the screen there it says in the presence of god and of christ jesus who will judge the living and the dead and in view of his the appearing of his kingdom i give you this charge preach the word be prepared in season and out of season. It feels a little bit like out of season at the moment. Correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. We've all needed great patience and a great degree of care. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear um i don't know about you but um you know this whole sort of like this the, during this time that there's so many um just talks and content available um on youtube that people are sat at home and they're just they're just clicking and clicking until they find somebody who's saying what they want to hear they'll turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths then if anybody's been getting any emails about conspiracy theories or dubious um sort of theories at the moment i know i know we've i've received a few during this time but it says, but you keep your head in all situations, which includes this. Endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. 
and um I just think that's an encouragement to us all at this time and I love you know that phrase at the start preach the word um and that's really one I think it's not something new that we've learned but that's one of the things that I would highlight that we've perhaps learned afresh during this time if you read any book on preaching or watch any training it sort of invariably starts with this fundamental and critical principle that that when we preach the the power lies not in our own words and not um in our own opinions but in his word in the word and um i know I, I guess most of us have made the mistake at some point of doing of getting this wrong um have you ever done that thing where you're preparing a sermon and you have a great idea and then you sort of you, you add to it a cool story and an illustration and you put a, a funny joke in it and then you've got maybe like a killer sort of like punchline or a tagline to it and you think oh that will look really good on you know one of those little instagram squares and then you know you've got all of that set up and you think oh actually I need some Bible. Um, and so what you do is um, maybe, you know, you've never done this, but you go on Google and you type Bible verses about courage into Google. And then what you do, you, you sprinkle some of those Bible verses um, to just to, to finish the talk off. And then you do the talk and then a week later, you wonder why it didn't seem to have any oomph. And the reason is because the Bible is the cake. It's not the icing that goes on top. And I think this pandemic has reminded us of that reality um, in a fresh way. This pandemic has been a bit like, um, have you ever had that experience where you go around somebody's house and you stay over and then you need a wee in the middle of the night? And um, if you were at your home, you know, you could you could find your way there and back in the darkness because you're on autopilot, you know where to go. But now you're in unfamiliar um, setting. Um, you're in the darkness, you don't know where the light switch is, you don't know if you're going to bump into something or stub your toe. And so you find yourself reaching out in the darkness for something to grab hold of. And right now we are going through a dark night in unfamiliar surroundings. We're disorientated. People have been reaching out for something to hold on to because the pandemic has left people with this sort of um, toxic cocktail of being stuck at home with fear, isolation, anxiety, and broadband. And um, people have been turning to all kinds of sources to answer their questions. And if we as preachers don't offer them the Bible, they will grasp onto something else. And so, like it says here, it's not the job of us to, to say what people's itching ears want to hear, but instead to keep our head and preach the word. The Bible is that handrail that will help us get through this time. It's the thing we can reach onto. And like I say, strictly, this we, we know this already, but I feel like we've kind of seen this in, in a new way. And Alice, you were talking about this this thing of just actually just preaching the Bible has been a bit of a thing for you guys at Cardiff during this time. Yeah, it's funny like you picked that because I preached um, a couple of weeks ago on just the passage before about all scripture is God breathed. And just before that, Paul has said to Timothy, you know, everyone else is around you is losing your head, you know, in the church here, they had loads of false teaching. You know, everyone was losing their heads, you know, and a whole load of stuff, unhelpful teaching was happening and um, a whole load of kind of mistruths were being spread. And then Paul says to Timothy in that, but don't forget the heritage you've had, you know, with yeah. your grandma, your mum, who have taught you the scriptures that you've known. You've had that wonderful heritage of a, of a, of a life in the scriptures. Don't lose that, Timothy, is what Paul said um, to Timothy. And um, just that idea of like, don't freak out you know, the Bible is there. And, and I think what we've loved in, in, in Cardiff here is, 
you know, we've done a few uh, preaching series that have been themes, but we've really tried to get what's our central passage. And we really just try and, you know, um, you know, do an exegesis of the passage and stick really close to what the Bible's saying and, and being like, well, you know, if you when you preach the Bible in different seasons, like you just read, you know, does the Bible still stand up? Is it still true? And and, you know, I had to do a preach on joy at Christmas. Well, it's not an easy year to preach on joy. But of course, if you're going to preach the word of God and you're preaching the Christmas story, you're going to preach on joy, potentially, probably, or likely. And so there's something about preaching the word of God in different seasons and being like, but is this still joyful? Yeah. When life isn't full of, you know, sort not all kind of sunshine and happiness at the moment. So I think for us, that's been really key. Of, of And then when the response we've had from, um, you know, our church is just that they've really enjoyed just going like, you know, as much as possible each week, just going really deep into a piece of scripture, not dotting around from here to here to here, but just one piece of scripture, keeping it simple because you have to, yeah. you know, when it's, uh, when it's a shorter talk, maybe, but just going deeper into one piece of scripture and letting the, the Bible stand for itself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's um, I think I think similar. I, I would say a similar experience. What about you? What about you, Simo? Yeah, well, we've always had a diet, I guess, of some series based on themes and then some on books of the Bible. But this last year has all been pretty much books of, of the Bible. And, and it's just been really beautiful, actually, to, to take a church on a journey. I think initially you're like you want to see people's faces and how they're responding to talks and you don't. And that's the hardest thing. And and of course, you want to address this once in a lifetime moment that we're in. And so you want talks to be addressing that. But actually, just going through uh, verse or chapter by chapter uh, of different books have just been life giving for me preaching, um, but also in terms of the, the feedback we've had, those have been the, the most impactful times. And um, so for us, we, we've done Nehemiah. We're going through Mark at the moment. Um, we went through the Psalms over the summer and just that helping church to to you know, learn how to read the Bible and rely on it. And uh, it's just been really life giving for us. And, you know, Paul's letters are written in lockdown. He's locked down. Mark's written to Christians who are suffering. 40 percent of the Bible is like narrative story based. And there's so much there. Um, so anyway, long cut a long story short. That's been our bread and butter. And, and it's been good. Can I just add, John? We had um, we're doing a series on the Bible at the moment uh, as the as the series, and um, I'm doing on Monday night for our church an overview of the whole Bible, and we've got like I think it's about seventy people signed up. And I'm not sure in another season you'd get seventy people signing up on a Monday night to hear you do an overview of the yeah. Bible. I just think that's a kind of a as John was saying, you know, people are hungry for in our church to be fed the Word of God, something that is real and unchanging, and yeah, you know. Yeah, and, and 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 I think it's one of the things that's like, it's an opportunity in this time that people, yeah, people are reaching out for something to grab on. They're grabbing onto the Bible. They're they're, they're what reading the Bible in small groups and using the apps, some, you know, like the Lectio app that Pete Gregg mentioned and Bible app and things like that. And it's like, yeah, there's a there's an opportunity to kind of harness that that desire to engage with Scripture at the moment and help people um, unpack it on a Sunday. So that's the first thing: preach the word. The second thing or the third thing I can't remember, is uh, we're saying connection over perfection. And um, just to help explain this one, um, I, I want to I sort of like visualise the process of preparing and delivering a sermon. Um, I want to suggest it's a bit like a three link chain. I don't know whether Jacob, are you able to show that image or do I, should I do that? I can do it, I think. Let me do it. So 
Oh, you've done it. Great, great. Brilliant. All right, I've done it. So imagine this three-link chain. The first link is figuring out what is it that God wants to say. And this is the part of the process that happens, you know, in, in studying the Bible, in prayer. It's the bit that happens, you know, in, in, in the quiet place with the Lord. The next phase is then when we actually come to, to what are the words that we're going to use to, to convey that. And this is the bit where we sit down at our desk or our laptop or our notebook and, and start to think about, you know, the structure, the, the stories, the, the contextualization, um, unpacking the meaning, uh, the, the, the um, application, illustration, all of those kind of things, um, the crafting of the message. And then the third link is the way that you actually say it on the day, the presentation of it all. And I want to suggest really the idea that, that the strength of our preaching in terms of how effective we are at actually doing discharging the duty, the ministry that we've been given, like uh, Paul said in, in, in to Timothy, is determined by the strength of the weakest link in that chain. Um, because, you know, if we're not, if that first link isn't there, if we're not actually trying to understand what God wants to say, then it doesn't matter how good we are at writing or how good we are at communicating, the talks are not going to have any power. Likewise, if we don't actually engage in the in the preparation work, if we don't have the structure and the and the explanation and all of that kind of stuff, it's not going to make sense to people. And of course, if we we can have we can hear from God, we can write a killer talk, but then if we can't communicate in a way that actually engages people's attention and they're not listening to us, then we can't get the job done then. So the chain is as strong as the weakest link. And the reason that I kind of want to highlight that is because during this time, I think those first two links have, have been, you know, like they haven't been affected so much. We've still been able to engage with those. But this pandemic has wreaked havoc with that final link because we've gone from a situation where, you know, all the rules have changed. You know, 18 months ago, we were preaching in, in familiar settings. We were pre preaching to rooms full of smiling, happy people um, and in an environment where we where we kind of know what works and we know what doesn't. And we've gone from that to an environment where we can't even see the people that we're talking to, like like the situation I'm in today. And even if you have been able to do in person, the people are wearing masks and uh, social distancing. You can't see the reactions and the interactions. And we've gone most of us from speaking a lectern in front of a room full of people to speaking, you know, from our kitchen table in front of an iPhone. The audience is no longer a captive audience. Um, they're free to, to leave whenever they want to, just at the click of a button anonymously. Um, and they're surrounded by distractions in the room that they're in from the, you know, the technology that's around them, the kids, the dog, the fridge. There's all these things competing um, for their attention. And also the difference between the experience of engaging in the moment and later on has shrunk. You know, the difference between coming to church and hearing a talk and then watching it later on in the week is quite a different experience. But watching this talk now online versus in half an hour was a very similar experience. So there's very little incentive to stay connected. And so whilst technology has been, you know, obviously an absolute lifesaver in us being able to continue to connect, it has in itself been a hindrance to connection in some ways. And um, it's been a challenge to engage with all that technology. I remember when, when Boris first announced the lockdown, um, hurriedly, um, there were some tripods 
and lapel microphones and these little round circular light things. I don't know if anybody did that thing of getting on Amazon or wherever and buying those things and then trying to figure out how to use them. And the first few weeks, it was just, it was just daunting, wasn't it? And um, then you've got to figure out what, what background to have behind you. Do I go for like having a bookcase behind me to look like clever? Or do I go for a tasteful selection of prayer artifacts? Um, or do I go for the comedy green screen beach scene behind me? All of these questions. Um, and it's that, that in itself has been a challenge. There's a funny, I'm sure you won't mind, I'm sure you won't mind me telling you, but John Wright had a funny um, example of that where he did a talk um, in his garden at one point, um, but he left it a little bit late to record it. Um, and so the light was drawing in. And so he, 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 he wanted the background to kind of look, you know, not distracting and just in place. So he wanted to mow his lawn, but he didn't have time to mow the whole lawn. So he just mowed the bit of lawn that was in shot. Um, and then later on, he sent us a photo of like a wider shot where you could see like the overgrown lawn to one side and the discarded lawnmower. So we've all we've all been in that situation. So you won't mind telling that pic, that story. Um, and then if you're pre-recording, um, there's been the pressure to kind of do retakes until you get the perfect take. Unless you're Alice, so just send them both takes. The rubbish work. <laughs> <That's amazing. laughs> um, but all of this, I don't, I don't know if there's a common experience there, but I suspect there is, and it's all been a bit much. Um, and I remember a bit of a changing moment for me was when Susie Aldridge came into work one day or came onto Zoom one day, and she said, "I've decided it's about connection over perfection." And um, the idea being that. You know, creating a connection with the church, with the audience, that third link in the chain. If we don't do that, then it doesn't matter how slick or perfect or polished the whole thing is. If the connection is not there, then we've lost everything. And connection right now is also what people need. They want connection with our humanity. They want to feel like there's a human at the other side of the screen far more than they need a slick or a polished delivery. And so we've been trying to push into that. And I think that sort of emphasis on connection is really, really helpful. I think it's always helpful, like long before this always all kicked off. And one of the things that I've often tried to tell myself and um, tell anybody who would listen whenever there's a conversation about preaching is this idea of when we preach, we have to keep pricking the bubble. And um, by that, I mean, it's almost like when you're speaking to an audience, the longer it, you, you talk, it's as though eventually this invisible bubble starts to sort of like manifest between you, the speaker and the audience. And it eventually will form a disconnect where people will kind of disengage if you don't do something active about it and reach out and prick that bubble. And I feel like right now, because of the kind of additional barrier of technology, we have to punctuate our talks with moments where we actively prick that bubble more and more often with more oomph. And um, this is a challenge, and I think it's something that I still feel like I'm learning, but I just wanted to list just a few things um, that I think help to, to prick that bubble and connect. So here's just some, some basic techniques. One thing is to ask questions, you know, especially meaningful questions, like you know, if I was to say to you, you know, think about one person that you really respect, then that forces you to kind of engage with that question and also hopefully creates a, a sense of curiosity about like, why did he ask that question? What's he going to say next? I think humour is another good way of pricking the bubble. Um, but it is worth bearing in mind that humour right now doesn't work in the same way that it used to, because you don't have that moment where you say something funny and then everybody laughs. 
And so um, instead, what you sometimes have is you say something funny um, and then there's just obviously silence. And then you fall into the trap of just laughing at your own joke, which doesn't look good online. So I think if you're going to use humour, it's perhaps worth rehearsing how you're going to do that um, to get a feel for what it's actually going to feel like. Uh, next one, um, changing the pace. So I'm trying to illustrate in that little pause there that sometimes changing the pace actually pricks the bubble, you know, and a bit of silence wakes people up. So it's obvious. But I think especially now we're speaking um, often in front of a computer, it's very easy to kind of just get into our notes and just go through the whole thing in a kind of a consistent pace. Actually, if we want to prick the bubble, engage people, it's helpful to change the pitch and the pace as we're going through the talk. Um, the background, I mentioned that a moment ago. Um, the background behind you is really important in the sense that the background is probably never going to help you to connect with the audience, but it could be something that distracts people and competes for their attention and, and actually causes you to disconnect um, from the audience. Um, so it is worth bearing in mind that I did one where, um, again, I was a bit like John, I was trying to record it in a hurry. It was for a prayer um, uh, devotional that went around the, ch the churches in Nottingham. And I thought my, my daughter was playing in the garden and I thought, oh, well, I, I'm not I'm just going to quickly try and record it and hope that she doesn't come in. Anyway, it turns out she was jumping behind my left shoulder on a trampoline um, for the whole way through. Mm -hmm. And every time I go to the city prayer, somebody goes, oh, you're trampoline man, aren't you? Like, oh, I thought that was going to be a cool illustration, but it was just your daughter on the trampoline completely failed. So think about your background. And I think essentially try and do something that's simple. Um, that, that looks natural, looks comfortable, but isn't going to compete for attention. Um, the digital comments that we have is another way of bricking the bubbles. I did a talk where I, um, I said, uh, for example, I showed a picture of a jar of Marmite and just said, do you love it or you hate it? Love or hate? And all of a sudden you just had all these comments reeling in and everybody's reminded, oh, we're all in the same room and we're all here together. And then you can move on and go, right, what's next? Um, and I think also another great way of, of pricking the bubble is to use language that acknowledges people. So, um, for example, if, you know, right now, today, I know that there are some of you watching who are um, the main preacher in your church. There are others of you who kind of um, who, who find preaching really difficult and you don't do it that often, but you're here to kind of like try and hoping that this might be a place where you could pick up some more tips. Some of you might be watching, you've never preached, but you're just passionate about, about it and want to know more. Some of you might be watching and you've actually got a sermon that you're trying to prepare for this Sunday and you're now kind of hoping and wishing really that maybe you'd have spent this hour working on your talk rather than listen to me. I say all these examples and hopefully in saying that now more of you feel like you've been acknowledged as you're listening. So I think language that reaches out to people and acknowledges them helps to prick the bubble. Um, and um, what's the, oh, another one, oh, the other one thing is um, with the camera being so close, it's given us the opportunity to be a lot more expressive in the way that we communicate. And that is another way that we can connect with people. I think Simo, you you had some thoughts on on that. You, well, uh, yeah, so obviously the biggest change was you were looking all the way around a room at different people and now you're just looking at a camera. And yeah. so I did a bit of research on YouTubers and vloggers and all this kind of stuff to see what they were saying and how they were doing it. And one of the massive things is your hands, your use of your hands. Um, and apparently, I mean, this is all the research says it goes back to like, you know, 
when we used to hunt and gather things with knives. And so the first thing you look at when you meet someone new is their hands to check they haven't got a weapon or something like that. Um, and that's honestly where the theory comes from. But but apparently if you wave a lot online and if you use your hands to 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 explain things, it's just a friendly way of coming across that you could be trusted. Uh, I think it's something like your brain gives 12 and a half times more weight to gestures than words. So making sure you've got stuff going on with your hands and yeah, you're using that well. So that's been, a, I, I've really enjoyed that. And people kind of do listen more when you are expressive with your hands, uh, even over expressive, you can, you can do that. Great point, such a good point. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next thing is, um, Alice, you were talking about, we've learned that we need to be prepared. Yeah, and I don't mean just having a note. It was about like preparing your heart before you preach. Like, I don't know about everyone else, but I was finding I'd, you know, I said, I've got kids, homeschooling, all of that. And so I'd, I'd be ready with the preach and I'd set it all up. I've only recently bought a tripod stand. We literally were just putting like little um, stacking tables on top of each other and boxes and then like balancing it. And then suddenly I thought, oh, I've got a budget to buy an actual tripod, which apparently we did. I could have bought it months ago. But anyway, but anyway, so get it all ready, get the shot ready. And then I'd say to Matt, right, go with the kids, go, go, go out. And then I'd be there like ready, steady, go. And try and, you know, however many takes it would take for me to do the preach. And then I just felt like, I just was aware that actually that was in quite a contrast to normally on a Sunday in more normal times when I'd be preaching, where I would have had, you know, at um, in, in Cardiff, we do half an hour of worship before. So I'd have dropped the kids to their groups yeah. and then had half an hour to worship and just be in the presence of Jesus and just, you know, and, and, and then when you're standing up to preach, it's like you've just had that kind of amazing kind of, you know, that mind shift that comes with worship where you're like aware of who's God, it's not you, it's yeah. him, you know. And, and in that sense, when you're delivering the message, what you've preached, it's like the, the, the Holy Spirit kind of helps, I don't know, they bring that connection again. And it helps it connect for you again, because sometimes when you, by the time you've written a preach, it's kind of become words on a paper as opposed to a heart thing, you know. So, so for me, I was just really aware that when I was then standing up to preach in my living room, I was kind of it was like a cold start. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That often I hadn't just been in the presence of Jesus and just had a moment to worship him and pray. And, you know, it was a desperate prayer of Lord help, but not just Lord, I'm in your presence yeah. and prioritizing that. So I've started to do that before I preach. Just, it doesn't have to be half an hour, but just a moment to be like, Lord Jesus, and just remember, you know, who's who in the, yeah. <laughs> in, in it all. And that's been really helpful for me, just having that, that time just to kind of, yeah to pray and connect in preparation before preaching. And then as I'm preaching, finally, then I'm personally connecting to the preacher. I feel what the Holy Spirit is doing and might do on Sunday, even though I'm recording it on Thursday, yeah. just that much kind of in touch and connection. Yeah, I know, sure. I know exactly what, I, I totally connect with what you're saying there. And, and you mentioned that when we were chatting earlier in the week, and it reminded me that when we used to do things in person, I had this kind of little ritual that I used to do where during the, that worship, during the worship before preaching, I'd kind of tend to pray the same prayer, which was like, Lord, would you give me your heart for these people? If there's anything that you want me to say, you know, tell me now and um, give me your heart and we'll just pray about that. And like you say, that's something that kind of, I, it just, it got eliminated with, with, with all of the rigmarole of recording. So that was really helpful and I'm, 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 I'm going to need to find some time to pray that prayer myself. Brilliant. Um, and you also, Alice, you, you talked about, we've, we've kind of had to learn what is the right level of realness or vulnerability or authenticity 
to preach with during this time. And we ourselves are going through a bit of a roller coaster emotionally and mentally. How much of that journey do we do we take everybody on? Yeah, I've been thinking about that and working out because, of course, we've all had it in, in this time, particularly maybe because yeah, for many of us, it's like you've had a really tough week, maybe. And it's been really, you know, and but how much do you share? How much do you and, uh, you know, how much do you take? The whole church on that journey yeah. of your own kind of despair maybe in the week or <laughs> your own lament that you've had or your own anger with the kids or whatever i know that's often that tension isn't there with preaching of like you know we we want to be real with people because you don't want to feel removed like and, and give a kind of a false sense and, and also we know that when we're real that connects to real people you know when we're real when we preach real people then connect to it people don't have to pretend to be people they're not we, it allows everyone to be real but there is that balance isn't there between how much do you share and we've all maybe or maybe i can think of times where someone's really overshared and you're like oh i'm not sure that you've like found jesus in that yet you're just kind of sharing yourself halfway through that journey and it's a bit kind of <laughs> it's quite you're vulnerable but now i feel a bit vulnerable on your behalf and yeah. you know trying to find that that balance and um i suppose the, the and I'm still trying to work out that balance, but I do know that when I'm real and say what's really going on, then people feel like they can say, yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, but I suppose if our role as preaching is to point people to Jesus, then for me, the, the, the kind of the way, not, the, 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 the way that I know what to share and what not, I suppose for me, I've been thinking about it since we talked about it, John, is like, it's that sharing your experience, but through the lens of faith. So sharing it through my own relationship to Jesus, which is the most important thing. So I'll share a story about my vulnerability, my messed upness, the stuff I haven't sorted out yet, whatever, you know, but where I've encountered Jesus in that moment. But if I'm still kind of processing it, like I've had an awful week, you know what I mean? Whatever it yeah. is, I'm not going to share that to camera until I processed it with Jesus, you know? And when it's like I, I've kind of have got, I can talk about it through the lens of faith, then it's then you can lead people to Jesus through your preach. You know, you can point people to Jesus. But whilst you're still in that figuring out and it's kind of raw, it's quite hard to preach with that lens of faith over it. Does that make sense at all? I'm not yeah, sure. People... I think so. Uh, yeah, it does. Simo, have you got anything that you'd add to this one? Um, just, yeah, again, I've been exploring this, this thought and, and it came from some research that I saw on how you connect with people that um that people are looking for warmth and they're also looking for competence so they're looking for warmth in can i trust you and they're looking for competence in that can i respect you and um thinking about myself and other people who preach in our, our context where do you fit on that scale because some people are a lot more kind of yeah i could trust you but i don't know what you're actually saying a lot of people have really got it all sorted out on the competency but aren't warm and um and so just thinking actually that we can we can get into that middle spot if we just um are willing to work on it and learn about ourselves um and and dig into those areas wherever you might be one side more than the other or invest a bit of time in the other yeah and i think yeah. that's what we've been doing yeah absolutely and it, it is definitely I, was, I just thought today like you know paul same person who said you know i boast in my weaknesses was the same person who said imitate me as i imitate christ and so there's this there's this vulnerability and a, you know willingness to accept imperfection and and, and not and share that but also yeah i am confident in 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 sort of what i'm saying and what i'm doing and so there's there is a tension there isn't there right so we're going to get onto some question and answers in a moment there's one more thing we want to share in terms of things that we've learned um during this time is this season has 
has taught us really to embrace limitations or embrace constraints. Um, because as Alice, I think, said, most of us, I think, are preaching shorter sermons at the moment. Um, we're generally preaching about, uh, I think it's 15 to 18 minutes, um, whereas previously we would, we would be aiming to preach um, half an hour or un coming un just under half an hour, I think, or something like that. I can't remember. But it's, it's, it's almost halved. And um, there's some constraints now that we, that we don't have in terms of the way that we're preaching. And um, it, it reminded me of, um, I used to be a civil engineer and uh, I worked in an office where there were all the different different disciplines of engineers. There was the, the highway engineers, the drainage guys, the geotechnics guys, which is basically mud. Um, and then there was the bridge team and the bridge team were kind of like the brainy, the brainiest ones. And I remember chatting to one of my um, friends who was a bridge engineer and I was just saying, oh, it's so amazing what you do. And he said, to be honest, I love it. And, and one of the things that I love about bridge engineering is the simplicity of it. And I was like, it's not simple. It's super complicated. And he said, oh, no, it's, it's actually quite simple because in bridge engineering, the constraints are so clear. You've got like a riverbank on one side. You've got a riverbank on the other side. And you've just got to fit, do something that fits in the middle. And within that, that having that clarity of constraints actually is it's a platform for being able to be really creative with how we solve that problem. I'm kind of slightly extending on what he said, but that's how I heard it. But I think this time has presented us with these constraints and actually embracing those constraints has meant that actually in some ways we've been able to speak and communicate more effectively. And so um, the encouragement here, I think, is to embrace, for example, the constraint of time. If you're preaching a shorter sermon, then rather than try and sort of like stretch that limit rather than try and cram what was a half an hour talk into that time rather than try and make three points in a rush often I think it's better during this time to, to make one point well so that you have the time for stories and illustrations and application and context and all that stuff if you try and cram the three points in you might not be able to do that so well similarly with like your word count um, you know, if you're if you're if you're trying to sort of cram down, you know, so much content in and you're trying to push how much words you can say, um, then it doesn't give you the margins to be relaxed in your communication and slow down at times and um, respond to what the Holy Spirit's doing and, and add little bits in. If you don't leave yourself any margins to do that, then you're just going to have to power through your content and you'll lose the connection and people won't be listening and you've lost the game, as it were. And so um, with the whole sort of like, it's really important, I think, to, to plan a realistic amount of content. Um, and a helpful thing to do there is to, is to know roughly how many words per minute you speak if you don't know that already. Um, and if, a good way of finding that out, if you don't know, is to, is to if, if, if you look at one of your old talks and um, you know, see how long that took and how many words, oh, Siri's, Siri's just talking to me, sorry. Look at one of your old talks, see how long that took and how many words were in that one and work it out that way rather than um, doing it by doing a rehearsal. Because many people, including me, if I'm doing a rehearsal of a talk, it's usually about 80 percent as the duration of actually in real life, because I always sort of get carried away and add bits in. And then also um, another way to embrace constraints is to speak within your understanding in terms of like your theological understanding if um if, if if you kind of like preach right up until the limit of what you know and think you understand 
then the chances are that eventually you're going to do a talk where like two days later you're listening to an nt right podcast and he says oh people often make a mistake with this passage of thinking it's like this and it's absolutely not and and you realize that you've just said something that's just really really silly so i think the encouragement would be you know to speak within the limitations of what you know you understand theologically don't try and stretch it too far talk about what you really are confident about and um, because then you'll have a clarity um, that comes with that. So that's the the final thing I think we've we've we've, we've we want to share about some of the stuff we've learned. So um, Jacob, how's it going with the questions? Have we had any good questions coming in? Yes, yeah, we've had a number of good questions, so we're ready to go. One, what do you want? So what? what... So um, so first question: uh, Have you changed who you are preaching to now that um, the sermons are going out online? So, for instance, are you including more like apologetics or assuming that people are less familiar with the Bible? Or are you just kind of preaching predominantly to your congregation, to, to the church? How's that changed? Does anybody want to have a go with that one? Yeah, I'm happy to have a, a go with that. So I think I've always tried to imagine two different people when I'm writing talks. And one is the person who you know, has been thinking about coming to church for 10 years and this is their week and, and they don't know anything about Jesus. I, I, I do think about that person when I'm writing. And then I also think about someone who's been a Christian for for a whole bunch of years and wants to grow deep. And so I, I keep both of those people in my mind. And I think that's continued throughout this season. The one thing I think I, I've added is just that, you know, that there's never been an easier time to invite people to church than now. And so there are people who maybe would never go into church are clicking on and just watching for a little bit. And so I definitely want to address those people. And so we'll always, uh, we're, we're trying to give away Bibles every week, you know, and it's, when we talk yeah. about the Bible, we'll say, look, you, we'll send you one if you, and we'll, we'll always address people who are right at the beginning of the journey as well. Cause I think that, yeah, we've got such a window uh, at this time. Yeah, I think I think similar for us. I don't know what you'd say, Alice, but but the the sort of like in terms of priority, in terms of our audience, it's you know our church. We're, we're preaching, we're serving our church, and we're also um, looking to communicate to the to the new person, the person they might have invite have, have, have invited. And I think during this time, we've been aware that that people from different contexts are are. Are, are coming along that wouldn't have come along otherwise because they, they've just been sent a link um, and we might try and acknowledge some of those people and we're also aware that there might be people tuning in you know from perhaps other vineyards and things like that at times um, and so we it's just you know kind and polite to say hello um, but really we're preaching to our church and our family and to the to the people that they're inviting along so the newcomer I think for us would you say that Alice? Yeah I think like I mean in, we've got quite in an average, you know, in a more normal year, you know, we, we will have people who it's their first time at church, people who English isn't their first language, people of different levels of education, of journeys with Jesus, you know, so I don't think I've kind of changed who I'm preaching to. I think you always have that tension. I think the one thing that's it's been interesting is it's been quite a common experience this year because the reality is you can be talking about something and feel like you have to caveat yeah. for the person who's really struggling in life. Or the per So I think what's been interesting is you're preaching maybe to more, more, more diverse than ever, maybe, yeah, Potentially, you don't know with YouTube, do you, who's watching? Yeah. But at the same time, there's that commonality of experience, which has actually made it, you know, kind of quite a freeing time to preach because you're there's diversity within that. We've not all had the same story. It's been both and, hasn't yeah. it? Um, but I think it's that's been quite interesting, preaching into a time where there's 
we're all there's some degree of commonality of what the week might have looked like and what things we're worrying about so i found that quite quite interesting but i haven't changed i'm preaching to um i think it's always diverse that's part of the challenge of preaching isn't yeah. it yeah jacob another uh, another question yeah kind of off the back of what alice was saying um people's situations are in some sense even more varied now than ever before uh with some people being completely bored on furlough others overwhelmed with kids around all the time and other people that's exhausted um maybe like an exhausted key worker or, or something so do you consistently try and address everybody's situations um in in this season um or do you exclude some or that kind of thing Yeah, I, mean, I think picking up on what I just think you've it's there's that commonality, but you're right. Then there's also a lot of difference in that. We've all had we've not all had like, identical years. But I think, again, that's often what you're preaching to normally as well, isn't it? Of like, actually, that's that's that pricking the bubble is that moment when you say, and you know, some of you will have be, be listening to this and you've lost your job this week. Some of you will be literally running around crazy with the kids. And this is the first time. So I think that's always those moments where you draw different people in. And that's part of that making room for that in your preach where you do call out what different people's experiences might currently be i mean you can't do that exhaustively but it is a way of pricking the bubble and keeping people on that journey whether they've come up the sunday or whenever they're listening from different kind of you know very different experiences yeah. I don't know about no, I, I, just going back to an earlier point of yours john for me early on i was getting really caught up with that i think if i'm honest was trying to solve everything for everybody and that's where it was really freeing going through books of the bible for me because you you can't say things that aren't in you know aren't coming from the text um but equally there's a whole load each time that that really speaks into people's lives so i let that drive who you know and of course speaking into the moment um but not having the pressure of covering every single person's dilemma yeah yeah absolutely yeah it has felt like that, that the, it, the Bible is that handrail and people are like, oh, yeah, that is comforting to me. What, 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 let's have, maybe have another question, Jacob. This is a, a two part question, really. Um, where do you go to, to grow in knowledge of the Bible and theology? And then uh, how do you recommend good resources to others so that they can grow um, in a similar way? Fantastic. Um, so um, in terms of for me um, personally, I don't have a formal theology background. Um, and so um, I, I often feel a little bit sort of exposed. And I think that's one of the reasons why I say that thing about it's, it's helpful. I need to understand what my limitations are in terms of how how far I can go and how clear I can be. Um, but in answer to your question, um, there's great resources um, in the vineyard. There's the Vineyard Theology, um, which you can engage with, um, and is really really helpful. Um, and um, even even um, sub, through engaging with stuff like the Hub as well. There's it's not specifically theology, but there's some great resources that the movement make available. Um, and um, beyond that, I go to um, I go to people who I know know more about it than me. Um, I find that's you know like a, a, a really quick way is to go to somebody who you know knows a lot about theology ask them a question and go I'm, I'm going through this passage what do you think and then all of a sudden you're in a sort of a collaborative process where you're not just in front of a really daunting library go to commentaries 
um, especially I'd say like in terms of commentaries, the more if I know I'm trying to speak about something that I know is complicated and controversial, then I'll do more work in terms of going further into different commentaries and things um, than if I know that I'm preaching about something that's less controversial and commentaries is, you know, likely to likely to agree. Um, so that's just some thoughts from for me. I don't know if the others would say stuff. Yeah, I'd, I'd say exactly that as well. I think if you're really new to this, like making sure you have a really good study Bible um, and a commentary is helpful. I'll always listen to a talk or two from people I respect on a similar, you know, uh, uh, passage that I'm talking from just to hear what they've said as well. I think that's that's helpful. Uh, the Bible Project is something we, we often look at in our in small groups. Great resource. And there's so many good things out there. Um, the hermeneutics course on on the vineyard yeah. um, training is brilliant, and that will help you if you're getting to grips with the Bible for the for the first time. That's great. That's great. Just to, we do all of that, and I'd say 100% to all of that. And one thing that but that's been really helpful to us, which I've not mentioned, is we do a preaching group. So we meet before to plan our preaches. So every week, those of us that preach meet every week, and we'll help that person plan for their preach. And I think what's been amazing is that as we've got a couple of people in our preaching group who are older in years, who have preached every book of the Bible in season at different seasons. And I think what's great there is you get that kind of sped up input into your talk. And it does put, you know, and you were saying, John, know your limitations. It kind of runs it through the like, is this OK, Mill? You know, is this what we yeah, actually believe yeah. in a theology checklist kind of? And that has been so helpful. I would not, you know, I'd, I'd never be in a different a kind of preaching preaching scenario not have not implement that around me or people they don't even a couple of them don't even preach regularly in the church but they are wise people who have you know who have studied the bible know their stuff and our vineyard values you know get us get you know um that is really really key for helping um yeah. put depth in your talk point you to someone else point you to oh someone else has done a talk on this did you know that this this you know, years ago, someone possibly did a preach on this at New Wine. You're like, oh, great, I'll go and find yeah, it. Yeah, you did. Just pulls all that knowledge around it. I'd, yeah. That's been huge for us here in Cardiff. And, and Alice, you just touched on something there that we, we, we were going to cover some of the sort of like um, when we when we're sort of sharing feedback and, and encouraging one another in talks, we were going to try and share some of the most common bits of feedback that we give. And um, one of them, one of those principles was was what you've just touched on there in terms of collaboration um, this is something that's been a game changer for you guys you said at Cardiff in terms of working with others on the development of a talk it's something that we've been doing at Trent for the last few years as well and it's really really powerful you know if you're if you're preparing um, when somebody preaches for the first time and we've started saying to them you know look don't worry we by the time you get up there on Sunday we're not going to let you get up there um, like when you're unprepared, we're going to get you to a place where you're set up to win. So don't worry, you're not going to make a mess of this. We're going to get you there together. We're in this together. Um, and that's been something that has been really, really helpful, that sort of collaboration. So we were in this practice of sharing talks, offering one another feedback. And and uh, you were saying similar, that's been a really helpful thing. Who, me? Yeah. me we, oh, well, we, Alice, what, we yeah, won't I get there. Simo, we're, not, we're a step behind, but I think that's a brilliant thing to do. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Well, it looks it looks as though um, is, is Jacob. Do you reckon there's a question that could be answered in a minute? Because we've got one minute by the looks of it. Uh, yes. Um, what ways do you integrate preaching and small group resources? 
yeah on that one i think for us it's um that discipline of trying to it's always hard but trying to get ahead with the preaching schedule and kind of have an idea of where things are going because the small groups team need time to get those resources done and um, it's always a challenge we would love to get better at it but that seems to be the critical challenge is you know getting that sort of um you obviously don't want to pin down every week of what's happening because you want space for God to be able to say, oh, I'd like you to speak on this this week as a church. But where we can, we try and get series in, you know, like blocked in. And when we know we're going to do a series on a particular um, book or passage, we try and get the small groups team involved as early as possible. And the small groups team love it. The small groups love it. So um, I think the key there is that is that it's, it's in the planning. Well, guys, you know, oh, go on. Oh, sorry, can I just say, because we've just, we, one thing we have started during lockdown, which I would think about doing, is we, at the end of our preach, say I preach, I'll, I'll record a 30-second summary of the preach. That goes to all our small group leaders first thing Monday morning. They can show it in their Zoom call and then discuss the preach. That has been huge for us. We literally started doing it in the last few weeks and it's been a win all round. What a fantastic idea. So, um Simo, Alice, have you, have you got like in a nutshell any like a final little tip? Just a little, come on, one one great bit of advice. I I just want to say Jesus is so kind to us. And uh, there was a question earlier about like, oh, should we be doing live? Because is it that more like spirit led and stuff? And I do miss the live a bit. But you know, I just think I've been amazed by how God's used some of our pre-recorded stuff in a prophetic yeah. way when we've missed the moment of the Boris thing on a Friday. And um, and there's still been something that's just been perfect for people. And I just think God's so kind. And so part of this journey is, is faithfully preaching, isn't it? And um, yeah. and letting God do his thing. Yeah. What about you, Alice? Any final? I think just hopefully people feel encouraged by this. I just think be kind to yourself. Give yourself a break. It's not going to be perfect. You know, I know sometimes people can think preaching can be glamorous, but all of us that do it know it is at time. It is an act of service. And in this, you know, there's times when you're like, I would seriously get anyone to preach rather than me right now. You know, we all have those moments. So I think it's just, just being kind to yourself. It's not easy. And I think it's just, it's, yeah, it's just a way in which we serve our church, isn't it? And point people to Jesus. That's what it is. That is a great way to end because we do, yeah. Above all, we want you to be encouraged. You're doing something important um, and it's making a difference. So um, I'll just pray those words again. In the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season to correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. And just skipping down to the, ed, to the end, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry and go and preach the word.